This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, can I begin this sermon with some of the most disturbing words in the New Testament? Listen to this now from the Gospel of Luke. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. There they are, words, of course, out of the mouth of Jesus, talking to his disciples about the cost of discipleship. Anyone comes to me without hating those who are closest to him. Now, here's the same person that told us to love our enemies, bless those who curse us, pray for those who maltreat us. So we love our enemies and we hate our family members. That's what he's telling us. Well, this sounds like a pretty odd religion, doesn't it? And we can't get around this by saying, well, what he means here is, you know, unless you turn your back on your family, unless you leave them aside. The Greek word used is miseo, which means to hate. When you talk about a misogynist, someone that hates women, or a misanthrope, someone that hates human beings, unless you hate them. Well, what does this mean? As usual, the Gospel of Luke makes us squirm, especially in this section when Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship. This gospel makes us very uneasy. It's meant to bring you up short, make you wonder, make you ask. Here's a way I think of getting at it. If we cut to the end of this reading for today, Jesus says, in the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. That, I think, is the key to the passage. Is he telling us, straightforwardly, to hate our family? Well, no, no. This is the Jesus who calls for compassion, as we said, even to the enemy. But we must indeed hate mother, father, brother, sister, children, in the measure that they have become our possessions. Possession, attachment, as I've often said, is a key motif in the Gospels. Until you get rid of your attachments, you're not worthy of discipleship. Let me illumine this from another angle. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Luke's, rather in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The key to Christian morality is always theology. By that I mean we are meant to imitate God. Christian morality is not just a matter of being ethically upright, doing the right thing. It is that, but it means so much more. It means being like unto God, perfect as God is perfect. What characterizes God's perfection? 
God has no possessions. Let me say that again. It's the one thing I want you to remember from this talk. God has no possessions. Look, in our great doctrine of the Trinity, the Father does nothing other than give himself away to the Son. The Son, from all eternity, does nothing other than give himself away back to the Father. The Spirit, the mutual self-giving of the Father and the Son. God is not a being hoarding perfections and possessions. Rather, God, by his very nature, gives himself away. God is generosity. Or in the language of John, God is love. That's not something that God does. It's what God is. It's who God is. Now, how does this Trinitarian God relate to the world? And I find this terrifically important, not just as a theological clarification, but as something of great moment in the Christian spiritual life. God does not possess the world. Why? Because God doesn't need the world. God needs nothing. God requires nothing. In God's perfection, God requires nothing outside of himself. Therefore, when God makes the world, it is in a sheerly generous act of love. Listen, just as the Trinitarian persons give themselves away, so God gives himself away in sheerly generous love, and that's why the world exists. The world is not there for God to possess as though it's something he needs to boost up his ego, to shore up his fragile sense of identity. God needs nothing. Therefore, the world can be fully itself and is not something manipulated and dominated by a needy God. You know, there's a trend going on now that really bothers me. And you'll see it in all kinds of books and spirituality in the New Age. It's a recovery of the pagan gods and goddesses. They'll talk about the gods and goddesses within. They'll talk about recovering the beauty of the ancient myths and so on. Well, there is beauty in the ancient mythology. But, but, when you read those stories carefully, what do you find? Those gods and goddesses at the end of the day, they used the world for their own pleasure and their own purposes. They were not in a relationship of sheer generosity toward the human race. On the contrary, when you read those stories carefully, you'll see that time after time, the gods and goddesses use us for their own purposes. We become their possessions. It is precisely the opposite in the biblical tradition. God does not need us. And listen, Christians, that is remarkably good news. I know it sounds a little bit shocking at first, but it's remarkably good news that God doesn't need us. That means God can let us be. Allow us to flourish on our own terms without being manipulated and dominated for his own purposes.
Another way to look at it, as Georges Bernano said, the great French novelist, tout est grâce. Everything is grace. Grace. The world exists not because God needs it, but because God gives it away as a gift. That's all what grace means, grazia. It's given freely as a gift. Everything we have, our being, our bodies, our senses, our powers, our passions, every breath that we draw, every step that we take, all of it is a grace. It's a gift. It's a grace given to us by a generous God. Now, what's our response to all this? We must not turn the world around us into our possession. That's the spiritual danger. Rather, what we've received as a gift, we should give as a gift. What's been given as a gift, we should appreciate as a gift. One of the marks of sin is that we turn the gracious world around us into our possession. It usually comes from fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm threatened. I'm going to lose myself. I'm going to be overwhelmed. So what do I do? I shore up my fragile identity with all kinds of possessions. Yes, material things, TVs and cars and so on, but also things like titles and degrees, and status, and the esteem of others. I make of all of these things my possessions. Now, now, push it to the furthest point. I also make of the people around me my possessions. Yes, even those who are closest to me, and whom I ought to love with the sheerest love. Mother, father, sister, brother, children. I make of them my possessions. You know what I'm talking about? Those moments when we realize that in our sin, we are the star of a drama. And everyone around us, even those closest to us, are simply supporting players in that drama. They're serving my needs. I'm acting out my purposes through them. I am finding pleasure by using them. That's what I mean by making a possession of people around me. You know, of course, the most obvious example, and people talk about it a lot, parents who live vicariously through their kids, their child is not there to flourish on her own, but the child becomes a way that the parents live out the life they never lived. It works, of course, the other way. I mean, watch any little child. They just do it naturally. They use their parents to fulfill their needs. But sometimes we never grow out of this. And suddenly we're 35 and 40 years old, and we're still using our parents to work out our own needs, to compensate for our own problems. Brothers can manipulate brothers. Sisters manipulate sisters. Friends can use each other for their purposes. Christians this is what Jesus means, I think, when he says, get rid of all these people in the measure that they have become your possessions. In other words, break this tendency to make of them your possessions. Here's a lovely quote from uh, Emmanuel Levinas. He's a Jewish philosopher, writes in French, and he's a favorite of the Pope, John Paul II, uh, 
often invited him to Castle Gandolfo to give papers and so on. But Levinas said this, it's a pun in French, tout autre et tout autre, which means every other is totally other. Every other is totally other. I think what he means is this. When another person confronts you, your job is to love that person for his or her own sake, willing what is for their good. The tendency of sin is to forget this fact and to say, your purpose here is to serve my needs. Therefore, listen, I will draw you in to the black hole of my own egotism so that you don't have a life and mind and will of your own, but now they're drawn in for my purposes. Tout autre et tout autre. Every other is totally other. St. Augustine said to love is to will the good of the other as other, not as a function of my personal game. This, I think, is what Jesus is talking about. He's telling us that the life we lead should be like unto the life of God. When God creates, he lets the world be so that on its own terms, it can find its own beauty and goodness and truth. God clears the space so that we might be. So Christians, as we relate to the world around us, we must be like God, living not in possessiveness, not in fear, but in an attitude of creative love, letting the other be. Jesus says, unless you have this in you, this lack of possessiveness, you will never even get the Christian project off the ground. Just as someone who wants to build a tower but doesn't consider what he needs to make this project possible. So the person who says, I want to live the life of discipleship, but I'm surrounded by possessions, especially the people that I've made possessions, that person will never get the Christian life off the ground. If you love somebody, set them free in creative love. God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of The Word on Fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.